You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, there's a, uh, a young man, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, he's, uh, he's probably in his 20s, late teens or 20s. Uh, he's about Shuva, somebody who is, uh, who is uh, you know, uh, practicing uh, halacha now, observing halacha now, I should say. Uh, uh, but his, the rest of his family does not. His father is ill with Parkinson's disease. So there's some physical uh, restrictions which his, uh, his father has. And on top of that, I don't know if it's from the Parkinson's itself or the medication he's taking, but mentally he's not, uh, you know, fully there either. I don't think he's completely uh, not there, but uh, he's developed some OCD tendencies and some other types of tendencies, which uh, can make him a little bit uh, challenging to, uh, to deal with. Okay. Now, the Shaila is, is that uh, oftentimes when this boy is home from school, he's in college, when he's home from school, so he, uh, he uh, helps out as much as he can to take care of his father. And one of the things which uh, they have to do, which the family members have to do, is they feed him. So it, he didn't ask me about whether or not the father's eating kosher, he's not eating kosher. That wasn't the question. So, you know, after years in the rabbinate, I know, uh, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. So I didn't ask him, you know, what exactly the, uh, the father is eating. But the son wanted to know that many times after having a fleshig meal, the father asks for ice cream immediately afterwards. And we all know that uh, the general practice is, which we'll, we'll explore shortly, but generally we don't eat milchiks after fleshigs. I think that's something that we could all uh, uh, agree on. So we're not going to eat uh, uh, milchiks after fleshigs. And here, this father who's not well uh, uh, is asking for uh, ice cream right after uh, you know, his, uh, his steak. And the question is going to be, is the son going to be allowed to serve him that ice cream after, uh, afterwards or, or, or not? So that was the question which was, uh, which was presented to me. Now, uh, anybody who's been around in the rabbinate for a little bit uh, will, uh, will already be familiar with the question that many people who go into the therapy fields whether it's PT or OT or whatever type, of, or even speech sometimes and variations of that. So they often, when they're in their field work or they're in their, uh, their clinical stuff, so they may have to help people eat. And if you have to help people eat, so what happens when they bring bus of Are you allowed to go ahead and help them eat if they need the assistance therapeutically or they need it, that's your, that's your job? Or you know for sure the family is Jewish and they're being served, they bring with them non-kosher food. And now the question is, can you actually put the non-kosher food into their mouth? So as he started the question, I started to get nervous that he was going to go down that route. Uh, and not knowing him uh, at all, so I didn't know how exactly I was going to respond. But I was very happy to hear that it wasn't a question of treif. It was a question of having milchiks after flesh, having the ice cream after the meat. So is he allowed to go ahead and give that, serve that to his father or not? So that was the uh, the Shaila. So uh, so that was the Shaila which I hadn't had before, and I was very excited by that Shaila because I, 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 as he was finishing his questions, I could already see that there may be a little bit of wiggle room for us to maneuver in, and if we could, so then that would be a a big help for uh, for this uh, for this young man. Okay, so that is the Shaila which we are going to deal with, and we begin as we do. Looking at our sources together, and we're going to go in two stages. So the two stages are going to be: first, we're going to see 
what exactly are the parameters, the relevant parameters of the mitzvah of kibbutz Ava'im? That's going to be number one. Does that is that a uh, a, a relevant factor in the shiloh? How relevant is that factor in the shiloh or not? And then we'll see the basu uh, We'll see this uh, this restriction against having milchigs uh, following fleishigs. What what exactly that is, and whether there's some maneuver room within those halachas. Okay, so without having to see the brisa in Maseches Kedushin, where this uh, where the Shulchan Aruch gets this halacha from, we're just going to jump right into Shulchan Aruch. Let me make this a little bit bigger for those of us whose eyes are getting that age. So we say. Shulchan Aruch says, this is in Simon Reish Mem, in, uh, in Yerodea. So it says, Ezel Kavod. So what exactly, we know, we know that there's a mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im, of honoring parents, and Mora, and awe or reverence of parents. So the Gemara, as it's wont to do, and in Shulchan Aruch, so they, they, uh, they ask the question, what are the technical obligations of honor, and what are the technical obligations of reverence? So here, Shachanach says, Ezel Kavod. So what exactly is encompassed by the mitzvah of honoring parents? Machilo umashkeu. So the fundamental mitzvah is to feed them, to give them to drink. Malbishu machasa, to go ahead and provide them with clothing, regular clothing if they're going out in the rain like tonight. So it's a child's responsibility to say, Mom, don't forget your umbrella. Something along those, uh, those lines. And machnus umotzi, and you're going to go ahead and you're going to, if they need help in transportation, you'll take them out, you'll take them in. Okay, so now here we're dealing with something which is pretty significant because it says explicitly, machilo umashkeu, that the child's obligation is to, feed, is to feed and to provide beverages. Now, we're not going to explore these halachas here, but the halacha is, is that kiburav aim is michel av. That's the phrase that Chazal used, meaning that the child doesn't necessarily have to pay for the food for his parents or for her parents, but uh, the parent is the one who's obligated to purchase the food, but the child is obligated to go ahead and prepare it for them. The child is obligated to go to the store for them. Those things which involve effort in time, that's the child's obligation in terms of who has to pay for it. So that is the uh, uh, that's the parent's obligation, assuming that the parents could afford it. So it could be that there's a different shiloh over here if the father were to say to the son, I want you to run to Carvel and pick me up some ice cream, buy me some ice cream. That may be a different shiloh. But here, the shiloh, that was not the shiloh. The shiloh was, there's ice cream I already bought in the freezer. I want you to take that out and feed it to me following the, uh, the delicious hamburgers. Okay, so now, here comes now the obligation to provide them all of these things. Shulchan says, and this isn't 100% relevant to what's going on, but you'll see it, it, it is somewhat of a factor. When you're feeding your parent, let's just put it in simple terms like that, when feeding a parent, it has to be done with a smile. Because even if a child were to go ahead and give delicious steak to a parent all day long, steak and eggs for breakfast and a steak sandwich for lunch and then a steak dinner for, uh, 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 for dinner. The herolo panim zafos, but you do so with a sour face. We'll go ahead and translate it simply like that, that you're making a face at it. The child will be punished for that. So you could be doing the physical act of the mitzvah of feeding them, 
But if it's done with a, uh, a an unpleasant face, you look resentful, the child looks resentful as they're doing the mitzvah, and the parent picks up on that. So all of the effort that the child does in the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim, then the child is going to be punished for that. So the relevance over here obviously is, is that if this young man feels that he's doing something wrong by giving his parent, his father, ice cream after the fleshig meal, and he expresses that his facial expressions are able to convey that to the father, that may be this case of panim zafos, that he's doing it with a sour face. And then even if he were to be doing the mitzvah of kibbut av by feeding his father, he could lose out on that mitzvah or he could be punished for that because he's not doing so with a smile. So if we're going to give him a heter, we have to give him a heter that he's going to be able to take it with him to the bank and he's going to be able to smile with that heter. Because if we say, well, this, what if we start telling him that it's not really okay, but he could do it anyways, so then we run the risk of punim zoafos. So we need to find him a, a, a pretty solid, grounded heter in order to be able to move forward. Okay, so that is point number one. That one of the fundamental mitzvahs of kibbutz Avaim is to provide food and beverage for one's parent. And when doing so, that has to be done with a smile. Excellent. Point Question. number two. Question. Yes. Is it unnecessarily technical to ask what machilu means? Is there a difference, does it matter, between uh, taking it on the spoon and putting it in his mouth or simply placing it before him on the table and let him do what he wants with it? Um, uh, so for this, I, 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 I don't think so. It, it, may, it could mitigate maybe some of the... Um, if there was a leaf, if there was an actual Avera, so it may be that may constitute the difference between uh, leaf naiver on a daraisa level and misayeya assisting in a transgression, which would be only a drabanitika type of thing. So as far as that is concerned, so possibly that 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 could make a that could make a difference. But for our discussion, we're uh, we're not going to go uh, we're not going to go into that. We're going to try and find a hetter where it's no Avera. And that way, we don't have to worry about the leaf neighbor or the uh, the messiah. But yes, that that, uh, that there are times that that could uh, that, that could make a difference. In some of the sources which I looked up, they 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 pointed to Rishonim, which talk about the obligation of a child to prepare the food, not just to feed, but to prepare. But when I looked up those sources, I did, I, I didn't know what they were talking about. I, I didn't know the author who said, "Look at these sources for this discussion." I could I couldn't find it there, so that's why it's not here. Otherwise, I would have included it. Okay. So now, the next thing we need to know is Tanarbanna. So this is a Brisa in Bab Well-known idea, I think. It says, How do we know? We have a father who's a Kohen, says to his son, go into the cemetery and make yourself Tame, Tame Mace, with the corpse, which a Kohen isn't allowed to do. Osha Amarlo, or a father says to a child, I don't want you to do the mitzvah of Hashavah Aveda to such and such a person. Shalom Yishmelo. How do we know that the child does not listen? Essentially what it means is, child doesn't listen to the parent, even though there's a mitzvah of kavod in their mitzvah of mora, to honor and to have reverence for a parent. You don't listen in the event that the parent tells the child to do an avera. Shenemar, that's based on the pasuk which says, this one we know from Parshas Kedoshim, ish im of aviv On the one hand, the pasuk says that a man must have reverence for his mother and father. 
the Shab society Shmaru. But on the other hand, it says, keep Shabbos Ani Hashem, so says Hashem. So what's the thought behind this juxtaposition of reverence for a parent and make sure that you observe Shabbos? It means, that when there's a tension in between what your parent is asking you to do and what Hashem is asking you to do, so Hashem's command is going to prevail. So whenever that happens, so if a parent says, I want you to do Avera X, or I don't want you to do a mitzvah or something like that, so the, uh, the mitzvah of Kibar Aim or the mitzvah of Mora, of reverence for parents, that gets pushed aside. And the, the reasoning is, which is what the Brisa says is, Kulam Chayav Mechvodi that your parents can't go ahead and say, you have to listen to me because I'm the ultimate authority over here because the parent also has to listen to God. And if God says, you're not allowed to do this Avera, so the parent doesn't, doesn't uh, override God's instructions over there. And since the child has to listen to God and the parents have to listen to God, so God's uh, command is going to prevail. And one would put aside the instruction of the parent uh, 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 in face of the restriction that the uh, that the Torah provides, so what that means is, if we put that into our context over here, if if the parent were to say, "I want you to help me do an avera," or "I want you to do an avera," so then the child would not have to listen. That would be a potential exemption to a uh, to the mitzvah of kibud aveim and the mitzvah of mora, the mitzvah of, of reverence in the event that the child is being asked to do something which violates halacha. Okay, so now how is this, uh, how exactly is this codified? So says Shulchan Aruch, also Simon Sh- uh, Reish Mem over there in Yerodeya, Let's say a parent goes out and instructs a child to violate the Torah, regardless of whether the instruction is to not do a positive command, like Hashavah Saveda, or whether the child is do, is tell whether the parent is telling the child to do an avera like the Kohen telling his son, I want you to go into the cemetery. And even if the parent instructs the child to do something which is Asr only midrabanan, lo even that the parent does not have the right to uh, to override. Parent has uh, has no authority to tell a child to do any sort of avera whatsoever. Not an assay, not a low assay, and not even a drabon. Rabbi Schaffel? Yes. It, in this case, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm asking the question. I don't know whether uh, the demented father is high of an eating basar v'chalav. And so the only avera that apparently is being done is he's, he's assisting his father uh, to to break a law, but if the father's not um, subject to it, does, does that make a difference? Uh, it, it could. Um, it, it may. Over here, demented, I, I struggled with uh, when I chose the word uh, demented because it has a particular connotation, and I don't really mean it fully like that. I'm meaning that he's, um, he, he's, he's there, but not all there. So I, I don't think he's crossed the line. It's it's a very difficult confused thing. maybe confused, um, uh, conf- confused and uh, you know a little bit paranoid and a little bit you know uh, or maybe a lot cranky. <laughs> you know I don't know how exactly you know where, where are you going to uh, to put it, but but they, he's become very di- the parents has become very difficult and easily agitated. 
you know, if somebody doesn't do what he asked them to do, so he, you know, he, he doesn't handle that uh, that well. So, so my, my, go ahead. Uh, my, my gut reaction to this last piece of Shulchan Aruch is that it may not apply. Um, the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch says that you shouldn't listen to your parents if they tell you to do an Avera yourself. Here, he's not being asked to eat the ice cream. I, I, you know, somehow it seems different to me. Um, excellent, excellent. Thank you for that segue into our next source. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, uh, that that very much. Okay, so now you're, you're absolutely right, uh, correct, Art. That our discussion over here is, just to, just to elaborate on the, the point that Art is raising, is that so far what we've seen from the Gemara Bab and Shochan Aruch is that if the parent tells a child that the child should do an Avera, the child doesn't listen. What if the parent says to the child, I want you to help me do an Avera. I want you to help me do something which is wrong, which would be this eating the milchiks after, uh, after flashings. So we're working uh, in that direction. Yeah, so can I ask a question here? Um, I mean, I don't know yes. who else is in the house. Does, does the father have a way of getting the ice cream if the son would say no? Yes. Okay. So, so, so uh, immediately that means it's not a deoraisa to begin it's, with. Um, it's not a deoraisa lifne either. Right. Right. Um, Correct. Um, Correct. All right. Correct. Now, all right. Let's go on. So now, what does the Birka Yosef say? So Birka Yosef uh, addresses uh, a, a very important shaila, again, somebody who would uh, be dealing with uh, uh, with elderly parents, and certainly elderly parents who may be declining and whatnot. Um, so here, this is a, uh, an important source to be, uh, to be aware of. The Berke Yosef is the Gaon Chida, Chaim uh, Yosef David Azulai. And he writes, uh, he wrote one of his many works is a commentary on Shulchan Aruch called the Berke Yosef. So he writes his father. He writes as follows. Imaya Aviv Chola. Let's say the father is ill. V'omer lo shemaziko. And the father says, I want you, let's just take an example. The father says, I want you to uh, pour me a, a, a glass of bourbon. And the doctor's already said, he, he, he can't have bourbon anymore. It's just, he's beyond his bourbon days. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's expired. He can't have it anymore. And the father says, what do you mean? Get me a glass of bourbon. Uh, you know, I want you to, you'll see, he gets, a, he, he ramps it up a little bit in a moment. So, Dover Shemaziko, and it's something which the doctor says will be harmful to the father. But it's not going to kill him. It's not good for him, but it's something which is not going to kill him. You can, it could be maybe a diabetic or something like that. Whatever the case is, the father asks for a drink which is not going to be uh, healthy for them, is not going to be good for them, but it's not, we're not talking about sakanus nefashos, anybody's going to die from it. Yishmolo. So the Berke Yosef says, listen, if it's not going to kill him, uh, and the father says, I want it, you give it to them. And this is implied from the Sefer Chasidim, who writes, that in the event that the parent asks for something which is actually dangerous, so then you don't listen. And the fact that he emphasizes that the Sefer Hasidim, who's one of the Rishonim, he draws the line to something which is a Sakana. That makes it evident. In the event that it's not something which is going to put anybody's life at risk, even though it's not healthy for him and it's harmful for him, but it's not going to kill him, sorry. So that is going to be, uh, that would be uh, permitted. 
Yeah, about it. Okay, so going back to the issue of like savor punim, um, yeah. could you give it to them and be like, you know, dad, maybe you shouldn't be having that, but you end up giving to them anyway. Is that violating, I guess, the savor punim yafot if you're giving it to them because you're yishmalo, but you're also kind of saying like, you know, your blood sugar or your blood pressure, whatever it is that they're asking for that you know isn't good for that person? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Uh, when you know that it's something which is mazik them, but it's not going to kill them, uh, can you try and dissuade them or that already is going to be uh, uh, certainly uh, if they are the type of, like this, this fellow seemed to describe his father, that they're easily agitated. Um, you know, it could be already that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Excellent. Yes, Safi. We're coming at this from the point of, from the perspective that Kibbut Av is, we're trying to say that Kibbut Av is going to obligate him to do this. More than just saying that can he do it, we're saying, I mean, I'm just looking at the language here, the Lekasakana Yishmala, Lo Yishamala, but then it says Shari, permitted. It's not saying do it, it's saying you can do it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not saying this right. I, I'm, I'm looking at, it sounds like the question is more. You know, does Kibudov require him to 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 listen to his father to do this? Yeah, I, I think the Yishamal, you're right. Yishamalo and the Shari are, don't emphasize uh, in the same direction. Yishamalo could mean uh, you could or you have to listen to him. Shari just means that uh, you know, Bidiyevit type of, type of thing. Right, I, which I, would I, go I, back to Batya's point is that this is more. Um, this is more. This is not really going to help you with the panim yafos because it's it's kind of waffling. Well, well, yeah. Well, so so over here, I mean, we, we, I think the yishmalo is really what he he come, he means to emphasize that once you say that it's going to be allowed to give it to him, if it's something which is puts it dangerously ill for him, so then you're not allowed to give it to him. Once you're allowed to give it to him, then seemingly the kiburav then uh, uh, applies, and you'd have to give it to him to save upon him. But I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, I, I didn't think about it so much, but part of the reason is because of the Arach HaShulchan's comment about a similar idea. So Arach HaShulchan says, Let's say the parent is ill. And the doctors say, you know what? The parent isn't allowed to eat or drink this food or beverage anymore. Now, he doesn't specify whether it's something which is a true sakana, it's dangerous, it'll put their life in danger if they were to have it, or the doctor said you're allowed to have it because it's not healthy, not necessarily that it's going to kill them. The Aruch HaShulchan doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, differentiate. But the, the doctor said the parents should not be having this food anymore. And then the father comes along and says, eh, I don't care what the doctors say. They could all jump in the lake as far as I'm concerned. Go ahead and get me the steak, the drink, the uh, cigarettes, the whatever it happens to be, the father insists on having that, uh, that food. So says our HaShochan, lo litenlo. You should not give it to him. The child should not give it to the parent. Now here's where it gets ramped up. Bafilo omerlo, even if the parent says to the child, lo em im lo I'll never forgive you if you don't give this to me. 
So they're trying to, they're pulling out all of their Kibbutz Av Aim cards. They're trying to play a full deck of Kibbutz Av Aim cards, saying, I'll never forgive you, uh, you know, as long as I'm alive, if you don't give this to me, lo yeshkiach, don't pay any attention. Just ignore all of those threats. Because the doctors love this. Once the doctors say you can't have it, EF you cannot give that to the parent. That's it. Doctors said you can't have it. End of story. Whatever the threats they have about uh, not uh, not forgiving you, just ignore all of that because you can't give it to them because it's not uh, it's not good. It's not healthy. So obviously, these sources are very relevant for many things, which uh, you know, uh, it, it, as I mentioned, with uh, with uh, dealing with their parents who are who may be declining both physically as well as mentally, and they are. Um, they ask for things which are not going to be healthy for them, what you're allowed to give and what you're not allowed to give. But what we see over here, which is going to be relevant for us, is that there are certainly going to be times when a parent will ask for something, may even insist on something, and yet halacha is going to be on the child's side of this shayla and say, no, child does not have to listen. That could be when the parent is asking for something, is asking for an avera to be done, whether deraisa, whether drabanan, or the parent is asking something which is not healthy for them, not good for them. Also, the child has to, the, the parent's health is going to be more important, is going to override the kibbutz aveim, and that's going to instruct the child to ignore the parent's instruction for the bigger picture of things, or the, the greater uh, important uh, issue of the parent's health, and that would, uh, that would, uh, that would prevail. Doesn't this, doesn't this contradict the previous source? I mean, the previous source says it depends on whether there's an immediate danger or not. And yeah, um, yes, yes, and they, this, they, they, this, they, are not, they are not consistent. And uh, you know, if we, if we need, if we, there was such a Shiloh Lemaisa about something which is dangerous, so then we'd have to go ahead and figure out uh, how do we pass like the Gon Chida, who's really quoting from other sources. I didn't put his Marmakum there, but the Gon Chida coming from the uh, Sefer Hasidim. Or are we going to go with the uh, the Aruch Hashochan over here? But yeah, I mean, they, they don't they don't contradict each other if it's dangerous, but that they do contradict if it's something not so dangerous. Right, something which is mazik but not a sakana. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. So this is this gives us a little bit of the background that we need as far as the kibbutz aim uh, shaila of it. Okay. Now. We move from Simon Reish Mem. Now I move to a different section of Yoridea. Tonight is an all Yoridea night. So I move to a different section of Yoridea. In this now we have to explore what exactly are the parameters of waiting between waiting after eating fleshings before you eat milchiks. We know six hours, three hours, everybody wants to marry somebody from Amsterdam, you wait only one hour. So into the sixth hour. So we know that there's all sorts of different practices as far as that is concerned. So let's explore what exactly are the issues. Why is there a machlokas about that? And then from that, we'll be able to see whether or not this, uh, this young man has any wiggle room as far as giving his father that after the, uh, after the fleshing meal. Okay, so it begins with a Gemar and Chulin. Gemar and Chulin is Kofei Amad Aleph. And it says as follows. You can see in the Rashi script over there. So I added some of the uh, the Rashi's comment just to help us get through the uh, the Gemara. So the Gemara reads as follows: Boy mine Ravasi Rabbi Yochanan. So Ravasi asked Rabbi Yochanan, 
How much time does one have to wait in between meat and gvina and cheese? And he said, you don't have to wait at all. Don't stop. <laughs> don't turn off the Zoom uh, The zoom now and say, oh, the Gemara says that you don't have to wait at all. We're not done. So we're, we're in the middle. We're at the beginning of the discussion. <laughs> but he says that you don't have to wait at all. So what's this, Eni? Is that really true? He said that you don't have to wait at all when, uh, uh, after eating flesheks? Vam Rav Chisa, didn't Rav Chisa say very clearly, that if you have meat, it's prohibited you for you to eat milchiks afterwards. Rashi explains why is it that you're not allowed to have milchiks after eating fleshiks. Rashi says, Mishum debat, now this is the machlokas as we're going to see, but the explanation of Rashi is, Mishum debasar motzi shuman. Because when you eat meat, so there is grease or fat, probably, fat or grease, nidbak and it gets stuck inside of your mouth. So you have this greasy film inside of your mouth. Umarach betaimo, and that is going to keep the fleshic taste in your mouth for an extended period of time. Milchik's less so, doesn't really leave a residue in the mouth, but fleshik's is going to leave a residue in the mouth, and therefore that's why you're not allowed to eat uh, uh, cheese after having meat. But on the other hand, continuing in the Gemara, Gavina, if you have cheese, mutulech obaso, you are allowed to go ahead and have meat afterwards. So the restriction is meat to milchiks. There's not a restriction of milchiks to meat. So therefore, Ella, rather the question is, kama yasha ben gvina lebasar. The question really was, that Ravasi really asked of Yochanan was, how much time do you have to wait after eating milchiks before you could have fleshiks? And Amrle, and it was to that question, he said, v'lokum, you don't have to wait at all. Okay, that's step number one. Gufa. Now let's go back to Avchisa's statement, which is going to be the relevant one for our discussion over here. And that is, Amr Avchisa said, If you eat meat, you're not allowed to eat cheese afterwards. You can't have milchiks afterwards. Gvina, but if you had milchiks, you're allowed to have fleshiks afterwards. Rav Achabar Yosef now comes to Avchisa and says, uh, I've got a question for you. And it's not, uh, you know, those who are not careful to brush and floss immediately after a meal. And one would imagine in Chazal, they probably had a doozy of a time figuring out how to brush and floss after a meal, even if it was a steak meal. So he said, mm-hmm. So let's say you've got meat stuck between your teeth. So what are you going to do then? In other words, the way most Mephoshim understand is you've waited um, uh, you've waited some period of time. Let's say you've waited six hours after the fleshing meal, and then as you're about to bite into your uh, your grilled cheese sandwich, so you realize that there's a piece of meat which is still stuck between your teeth. So what do you do then? So Rashi says, Mi basar, imo So is that meat which was stuck in your teeth for an hour, two hours, three hours, six hours, so is that still considered to be meat, even though it's been inside of your mouth for such a long period of time? But does the presence of that piece of meat stuck in your teeth prevent you from having that grilled cheese? Until you pull out that piece of meat stuck between your teeth? Or do we say that once it's already been in your mouth for six hours, it's not really considered food anymore, it's not even considered to be flesh anymore, and you could eat the grilled cheese with that piece of meat stuck between your teeth? Curry ale. And he went ahead and he cited from this possum, sorry, it's an errant aleph over here. 
Habasar Odeno Ben Chinehem, that the meat was still, but that's a pasta, the meat was still between their teeth. Rashi explains, Alma, so we see Mikri Basar, that even meat, which is between your teeth, is still called meat. That's what we go ahead and we take from that. So even six hours later, you find a piece of meat between your, between your teeth. You don't have to wait another six hours, but you're not allowed to have the grilled cheese sandwich while that piece of meat is stuck between your teeth. Okay, good. Now, now here comes the second uh, relevant uh, passage which we, which we need. So we have, Rav Chisa said that after eating meat, you're not allowed to have, have cheese. No uh, indication whatsoever from Rav Chisa's statement uh, how long that is, how long that's going to be true. How long after meat are you not allowed to have milk? Because he just says you can't have milk after meat. But he doesn't say how long. Amr Ma'ukvar, Ma'ukvar comes along and he says, Anna, it's always nice to, to see how uh, Chazal express themselves. Anna Laham Milsa, as far as the following matter is concerned, I am Chala Bar Chamra I am vinegar, the son of wine, when compared to my father. My father was a fine Cabernet, and I am a lousy, you know, uh, you know, two dollar bottle of red wine vinegar. So, you know, he was an $80 bottle of wine and I'm a $2 bottle of red, you know, cooking vinegar or something like that. Why is it? Why did he consider himself to be inferior to his father? So he explains, because you want to know what my father did? What my father did was, if he ate meat seven o'clock on a Monday night, he wouldn't eat milchiks until seven o'clock Tuesday night. He waited a full 24 hours in between Fleishigs and Melchiks. So my father, he was a great individual because he waited 24 hours. V'ilu ana, but I, Marukva says about himself, My practice is within the same meal, I will not eat Fleishigs and Melchiks, but when it comes to another meal, a second meal, achilna. Once it's a second meal, so then I'll go ahead and I'll have milchiks afterwards. So in the same meal, I wouldn't do, but in a second meal, in another meal, so then I would have milchiks. Now, point number one, before we get to time duration, point number one is that obviously Marukva was not saying that he was sinning. He wasn't saying that he was doing something in violation of halacha. There's no way that he would be in violation of halacha. He wouldn't be talking about that. He wouldn't be Marukva if he was in violation of halacha. So whatever Marukva was doing, has to be compliant with halacha. And he was merely highlighting that my father was super machmer about this, and he waited 24 hours. I don't wait that long like he does. I go ahead and just wait until the next meal. But waiting till the next meal is halachically permissible. That's halachically allowed. Okay. So now the question is, what's considered, what does it mean, the next meal? What is the halachic definition of next meal, which is going to be relevant because it, it, as far as ma'ufa is concerned, we could say, listen, if it's good enough for ma'ufa halachically, it's good enough for us. So whatever is going to be his definition of next meal, so that's going to be uh, the, uh, that could be the halacha for, halacha l'maysa for us. So tosos right on the page over there. So it's a nice short tosos. We like those. So he says, Marukva didn't mean, back in the time of Chazal, they were probably much more fit because they had two meals a day rather than three meals a day. They had a breakfast meal and they had a dinner meal and they probably just had a Snickers for, uh, for, for a snack in between. But they had two meals a day. 
So Toso says, Marukva didn't mean that he waited the amount of time literally between breakfast and dinner, which would be the six hours. But rather, as long as it was not the exact same meal, even if one followed after the other consecutively, that would also be okay. In provided that between the fleshig meal and the milchig meal, they cleared the table. Remember, they had cart tables back in the time of Chazal. So clearing the table meant not the stuff on the table, but it meant literally taking the table away. So they take the fleshig cart table away that had all the fleshig stuff. And then you go ahead and you make your bracha achron on the fleshig meal. And then after that, you could bring out the milchigs, you could bring out the, the, uh, the uh, grilled cheese right after that. And you could have the grilled cheese. So it's not a function of time, according to Tosos's understanding of Marukva. It's a function of, is this the same meal? And the same meal is going to be defined by the same table without benching in between. But if you clear the table and you bench in between, so you could go ahead and you could go from a fleshig meal into a milchig meal, the low plug rabbanim, because rabbanim don't go ahead and start differentiating between half an hour, an hour, three hours, five hours, six hours, they don't make those distinctions. All it has to be is as long as it is the next meal. Next meal, however long that is, it's not, it's not a function of time. It's just within the same meal that you cannot have, uh, you cannot have the, uh, the milchigs afterwards. Now, that is Tosos's opinion, but the Rosh disagrees. Um, and we'll just pick it up from here, just for the, for the sake of time, because before this, he's just quoting the Gemara. So the Rosh says, Perish, he understands Marukva differently, not like Tosos. He says, Perish, what Marukva meant to say was, Bismana Shirogil Adam Lisod, that it's the amount of time that normally transpires between one meal and the next. The Hainu, Mizman Sudas Aboker, Adzman Sudas Erev, which is the amount of time that would normally take go by between the morning meal and the evening meal. Upachos Mishirza, and it's, uh, let's assume in the wintertime, when there's not that much time between waking up early for breakfast, which is going to be, let's say now is 7.15 is, uh, is Hanayitz, and by the time you get to the next meal, which is going to be before sunset, so let's say that sometime around four. So for us, it would be eight hours. I don't know where exactly they live, but it's an amount of time that they would wait in between the morning meal and the afternoon meal. So that's the amount of time that you have to wait. So we assume that's sort of translated halakhli, as we know, is going to be the six hours. Upachos mishir and any less than this amount of time. So according to Rush, it's not a function of meal. It's really, Marufa was trying to express a time duration. And it's the amount of time between what, typically between one meal and the next. That's how much time you have to wait between fleshigs and milchigs. Less than that amount of time. So that's considered to be within the same meal, within the same meal time frame, is what Marufa meant to say according to the Rush. The only person who's going to be lenient, the most lenient opinion that we find is Marukva. And he, even he referred to himself as vinegar vis-a-vis his father. But you're not going to be able to get any less than that, the amount of time that would normally transpire between one meal and the next. So here we have a huge machlokas, as we're going to see, between Tosos and the Rush, we're just going to take those names, although there's many other players, but we have a major disagreement in terms of 
What's Pshat in the Gemara? When Ma'ufa says, within the same meal, I won't eat fleshigs and milchigs. In the next meal, I will. Doesn't mean literally from one meal to the next, divided by benching and the clearing of the table. Or does it mean the amount of time which typically would transpire between one meal and the next, which we'll say for simplicity is going to be six hours. Is that what he meant? So which is going to be the halacha? Now that we know that there's a disagreement between Tosos on the one hand and Russia on the other hand, so how exactly is halacha going to uh, instruct us? So now we turn to Shochanach. Shochanach here says, this is in Simon Pei Tes Sif Aleph, that Rambam happens to be on the side with the Rush. So that's why Shochanach's opinion is going to be very clear. Achol Basar, he paskins, in the event that a person eats meat, afilu shalchayev of even if it's venison, even if it's chicken, it doesn't make a difference if whether we're dealing with a darais or a darbanan over here. Lo yochag vina achrav, one is not allowed to eat cheese after eating any meat whatsoever. Until you allow minimally six hours to transpire. You need six hours between the fleshings and the milchings, and doesn't make a difference if it's the next meal within a shorter period of time. There's no leniency uh, uh, short of these six hours. So that's the way Shochanach is reading the Gemara. The Marukva is saying next meal means the time for the next meal, not whether you're actually having a second quick meal or not. So from the uh, the Shochanach, uh, Bacha, so you're going to be waiting a full six hours over there. You're, uh, you're cooked as far as uh, that is concerned. Not necessarily it's going to have bearing on, uh, on our child over here yet, but uh, the six hours is pretty set in stone for you. The Ramah comes along. I should have put it in a different font. I apologize, I didn't. But the Ramah comes along and he says, wait a minute. He says, don't, get the, don't, uh, don't uh, think that just because it's uh, written in Shulchan Aruch, that means that all of us have to follow what Shulchan Aruch says. Because V.A. Shomim, some people say, you don't need to wait six hours. Six hours is not, uh, is not necessary. As soon as you see like is the clearing of the table and you go ahead and you bench, you say as long as you clean and rinse your mouth. Clean and rinse your mouth means you have some crunchy food, like uh, let's say some, uh, some pretzels, some hard pretzels, or maybe even some bread. And, uh, uh, and, uh, says Kishesh or Rambam says Kishesh? Bacha. Which one? <laughs> I can't remember if it's, if it's Bon or Bon, but I thought, I thought one of them, this is also Sparty, it says Kishesh. Kishesh. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't look up more about the, the six. About meaning in, into the sixth hour? So that's where the whole discussion then becomes. What is kish? Is it shesh or is it kishesh? Into kishesh. The, that's where you get like a lot of the. Uh, so I, I, I didn't look up the Rambam inside and I didn't even look up to make sure that Shochanach was quoting the Rambam where he was getting that, uh, that from. So it could be. I'm just going with the, the, the six hours just for. I didn't mean sixth as opposed to into the sixth. Meant making meant, my uh, life miserable. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you married him. It was your choice. <laughs> <laughs> we, we take the good with the bad. So, uh, so we say, so it's going to be mutter. So as long as you go ahead and it's, uh, sh- the, 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 there are those authorities who say, the Ramah tells us, that as long as you clear the table, you bench, you clean them out, you clean the palate, 
uh, you know, that, that would be, there are those who, uh, who, uh, who maintain that the reason why uh, that we, people have their, uh, their schnapps in between the fish and the next course is to clean the palate from the fish because you can't have fish and flachings in the same mouth at the same time. So to clean the palate, so that's a good way to go ahead and, uh, and do so um, uh, in between uh, that course and the other. But there's, the, there's this idea between flachings and milchings or milchings and flachings of doing that. And then he says, so even though there's an opinion which says that you don't have to wait a duration of time, you just have to make sure that it's a new meal, i.e. clear the table and bench. The simple custom in these countries is to wait at least one hour. That's what Dharma says, that the minog is to wait an hour. And then afterwards they would go ahead and they would eat cheese. But you have to make sure that you're going to say a bracha after eating the, the meat. So now, there's a curious thing over here, which we're not going to spend too much time on, but you should just be uh, mindful of it. And that is that we had two options. All we saw were two options that we showed him. One was you have to wait six hours because that's normally the amount of time between one meal and the next. And the section, a second option was you don't have to wait any duration of time just end one meal and start the next meal. Clear the table, bench, and you can immediately have the, as we said, you can immediately start to have the grilled cheese afterwards. The Rama, all of a sudden, he adds in this idea of sha'achas. Says that, he says that you should be waiting at least, the minute is that you wait one hour. Nobody said one hour. None of the Rishonim, which we saw, mentioned anything about one hour. So where exactly does that come from? So if you look, the Taz struggles with this on the page of Shulchan Aruch. The Meforshim and Shulchan Aruch are all scratching their heads, wondering where exactly the Ramah got this notion from of one hour, when it, didn't, it doesn't seem to match. It's not the Chumrah of waiting six hours. It's not the leniency of going right into the, uh, to the next meal. So the Gras suggests, very famously, the Gras says, V'nuya al divre hazohar, Parshas Mishpatim. So the, uh, the Gra asserts that the Ramah's opinion over here is addition, saying that you should wait an hour. So that really comes from the Zohar and Parshas Mishpatim, which says, the Choman da'achel hai michla kechad o chayda, who talks against eating, we'll try and translate it simply, the two types of food, milchiks and fleshiks, kechada, either at once, o chada, or even within the same hour. Or in a single meal. So since the Zohar mentions this idea of within the same hour, so that's it considered to be, uh, so as a Chumrah, so the Ramah advocates uh, uh, compliance with the Ramah, that you would avoid, even though technically you could go from one meal to the next and that's going to be allowed, for Kabbalistic reasons, it's not a good thing to eat it within the same hour. Okay, and within the same hour, does it mean half an hour? It means a full hour, 60 minutes. So that also is a shazmanis. It uh, depends on the, the duration of the hour. So there's a lot to discuss as far as that. But that's where the gra comes along. Uh, that, that's where he comes from. Okay, so that is as far as the, the Ramah. So we have two opinions over here. We have the Mechaber saying that it's a hard six hours. There's not, not really much, uh, much leniency as far as that. And the Ramah says, Yesh Omrim, that we possibly like the lenient opinion, that it's just the next meal. And that is the minug to wait one hour between fleshes and milks. So what does that mean as far as this young man and his father is, is concerned? Um, 
Okay. So he says, so the Arach HaShochan, again, for time, we won't read it all, but he writes, we'll pick it up from here. He says, so He emphasizes that in order, to, if you're going to follow the Ramah, you have to somehow formally end the meal, the Fleshig meal, before you begin the Milchig meal. And one of the ways, the most obvious way to formally end the meal is, you say, Bracha you don't have much more of a formal ending to a meal or an eating than the bracha achrona. Das havi kesuda cheres, because then whatever you eat afterwards is considered a new meal. And then you will be allowed to eat the milchiks according to this lenient opinion. But if you don't bench, so then waiting an hour isn't going to help. Vaflo shows, and even waiting six hours isn't going to help if it is the same meal. If you go ahead and you make uh, your uh, you wash on uh, on bread and you start eating some salami and eggs, and then for the rest of the day there, there's a bris at work or something like that, and you're just munching all day long on candy and uh, cookies and treats, and you don't allow 72 minutes to uh, to transpire. It's really shivish eating. So you're eating mamish, the eight days that you're sitting at the office, you're just eating and eating and eating without stopping. You figure, at the end of the day, I'll bench on my way out. So by the time you get to four o'clock in the afternoon, it's been seven hours since you had your salami and eggs, since you had your steak and eggs in the morning. You figure, seven hours, I should be good to go. I can now have those cheese danishes, and uh, that's a good thing to have on my way out. So the Aruch HaShulchan says, no, 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 not so fast. It may be seven hours, but if you're still in that meal that started off as a fleshig meal, so you can't have milchus yet. Because according to this, the, the meal is still ongoing. Um, yeah. Uh, now we said, uh, we don't need to see this. Okay, so now before we see this VH Omen, so now this creates for us somewhat of a quandary for our young, our, our, our young friend, because the Archa Shulchan is emphasizing the point, if, if nobody had talked about Ber Kasamazon, we say there's the opinion which says you have to wait six hours, Toso says as long as it's another meal, so you're good to go. So we may have some wiggle room as far as this young man is concerned and say, okay, the steak is over. The steak meal is over. And now the father would like some ice cream and go ahead and you could give him ice cream. We'll consider that like Tosos to perhaps be a new eating, clear away all of the fleshig, uh, you know, utensils and all that. And now you'll bring out the ice cream and who hasn't had a good, uh, you know, meal of ice cream at some point on, uh, on occasion. Uh, nothing that we'll necessarily admit to on a Zoom thing, which is being recorded, but we may have had a meal of ice cream at some point, so you can consider that to be a, a new meal. But, once I'll get to you in a second, Ralph, but in the event that the benching is something which is essential to end the meal, so now what's the father going to do? Because my guess is the father doesn't say bracha achrona. So, <laughs> so if the father doesn't say bracha achrona, so now what are we going to do as far as being able to transition him from his meat meal to his milchik meal, because our chashuchah mm-hmm. just said it's essential to formally end that first meal before he could have the milchiks. So we may have had some wiggle room, but now if the benching is really something which is so essential, now we may have lost our wiggle room and we may actually be stuck. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to miss the punchline. I have to go to another class. Okay, Hatzlacha Rabba. Yes, Ralph, what were we going to say? Oh, your hand was up. Your hand got uh, got raised on your uh, your computer. Okay, excellent. Okay, 
so now what is the Adarach HaShulchan? Now here's another important point he says. He says, you also should not go out of your way to bench after the fleshing meal just to be able to have the milchiks afterwards. That's always the shayla like on Shavuos, when you want to go ahead and you want to have both meals, you want to have milchiks and then you want to have fleshings. So you wash on the milchiks, you wash, you make hamotza, you have some milchiks, and then you want to bench, and then you want to go into the fleshing meal. That's In some families, that's the way they balance between their milchiks and fleshings. But if you look through those halachas, I'm sure everybody here has heard a shear or two or five on some Shavuos night about whether you're allowed to go specifically from the milchig meal into the fleshing meal bench and then wash right away. Because seemingly that generates bracha shenitzricha. You're not really ending the meal. You're just benching in order to be able to wash again. Benching in order to wash again, just don't bench. So why are you going ahead and doing it? So it raises a whole halachic problem. So the Shulchan says, indeed, vish omrim, that you're not allowed to bench after the fleshing meal with the intent specifically to eat the milchiks afterwards. But people aren't so careful with this. Okay. And then he says some people are careful to go ahead and eat uh, uh, eat the uh, uh, wait six hours. Says our chashuchan, that is a common practice that uh, to wait six hours. So even for Ashkenazim, the chashuchan says that that is the practice. He says the whole Tfusos Yisrael, minus the Yekes and minus the Dutch. But other than that, Kol Tfusos Yisrael, they wait there, there's six hours. And then he says, the Chalila, he's very strong about this. He says, the Chalila Shanos, God forbid, should somebody uh, deviate from that. The and somebody who does not observe this, it says, Porit's Geder, that it's considered to be somebody who's breaching the walls. It's a, it's a bad thing. But the nearly bottom Sheino Bari, if you have somebody who's ill, even minorly ill, but somebody has some sort of medical condition, and the doctors say that it's going to be important for this person to have milchiks after eating, it's settled the stomach, I don't know, whatever reason they, uh, they, they, they do so. So, so then you could already be lenient as far as the Ramaz's opinion is concerned, like Tosos, and you could wait an hour and rinse out your mouth. We're not talking about somebody who's dangerously ill being able to rely on this, but somebody who, for whatever reason, they need that, uh, that milchiks, so there's room to be lenient, but if you go ahead and you rinse out, you clean your palate in between. And the same thing is going to be of young children. I don't know exactly if nar nara means that they're teenagers or they're even younger than that. They're not tinokos, but they're young. Doesn't say what exactly uh, age he's talking about. But if they have a weak, uh, uh, you know, body, the rufuasam lishtos chalav, and the doctors say that it will be beneficial for them health-wise to drink some milk, so they don't have to wait. The big fear that we have becoming fleshings, because if they become fleshings, then they can't have milchiks. So Chashochan says, if it's any sort of medical condition whatsoever, don't worry about it. You can go ahead and you can get away with being able to transition from the fleshings to, uh, to the milchiks. And uh, because that is, the Ikara Din is going to be, according to the uh, Ashkenazim, is going to be like that lenient opinion, which says one meal to the next. And he doesn't have that, the bracha chrona, so that's going to be an essential component going from one meal to the next for those people who say bracha chrona.
right? So if you are a person who says a bracha achrona regularly, so then that's the way that you formally end one meal, and then you could have license to potentially begin the, the next meal. But what do you do with a person who doesn't say a bracha achrona? So does that mean they become fleshig once in the rest of their life, they're fleshigs? You know, there's no such thing as them becoming ice fleshig. They can't uh, uh, un guys, if we could go ahead and we could coin that, uh, that that term. I'm not sure how many languages we're combining over there. But if you had, how do you un guys? So I would think that halachically, that a person who doesn't say a bracha achrona, whenever they're done eating, they're done eating. That's the end of their meal. They don't have the formal ending of it, like those who are halachically compliant. Those people are not sensitive to it. So when they're done eating, they're done eating, and that's the end of that, uh, that meal. And in this particular circumstance, for this young man, in order to not agitate his, uh, his, his father, and in order to uh, make sure that when he's there, that none of the other people in the family become resentful, that he became religious, and now he doesn't have to help out with dad, or he doesn't have to help out in the house at all, that that also is an important uh, consideration for these uh, for this uh, this matter. Then, and we're dealing with something which, once the fleshing meal is over, we Ashkenazim hold that you could get away with having milchiks afterwards. So there's room for him to be uh, lenient. Uh, when I spoke to some postman about it, they said, if you get the father to wait an hour or half an hour, so that would be a wonderful thing. But even in the event that uh, if you were to get agitated by, uh, by asking him to wait at all, so you could get away with, uh, as long as you've cleared away all of the fleshings, you could give him the milchiks afterwards, the ice cream afterwards, and it's not going to be, uh, it would not be a, a, a big deal. The kibbutz aim will prevail over the minog of waiting the hour or the six hours between, uh, between fleshings and, and milchiks. Uh, yes, but you were also lenient as far as pregnant women are concerned. Correct. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.